Welcome to the Media Cat Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mike Pigger, editor at the magazine. Uh, and for today's pod, I have uh, two lovely people with me. Uh, I've got Sinead Lam and uh, Helena French of uh, Imagine Insights. Uh, Helen is a client ex- uh, success exec there, and uh, Sinead is Associate Director of Communications. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for having us. How's it going? How are you both today? I, I'll kick off. I'm really well, thank you. I'm enjoying the fact that it's slightly more sunshiny outside. Um, it just makes such a difference. I feel like spring is almost around the corner. Yeah, the clock's change probably helped. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, yeah, I've I've had a had a chat with your your colleagues before. I did a, a pod with uh, with uh, Jay Jay Richards once. Um, we'll put a link into the in the show notes to that as well. I like to tie everything together. Um, and this one, we're going to chat about our, our sort of theme, our March theme at the magazine. I know we're at the end of March now, but um, we have a theme of uh, kill your idols. Um, but I'll also touch on the April theme uh, uh, near the end, which is uh, the age of discontent. But like, I'll explain what they're they're all about. Um, but first off, for those that uh, either haven't listened to the to, to the J podcast I did, or don't know what you guys do, um, I was wondering if you could both sort of explain your roles and kind of, you know, a brief recap of uh, what Imagine do. Absolutely, I can kick off. So at Imagine Insights, we are a Gen Z market research platform. Um, so we specialize in insights um, from young people for brands and organizations. Uh, we have 30, over 30,000 young people in 111 countries around the world globally who all get paid to give their feedback and insights to our clients. And they can range from the likes of Unilever, the NFL, PepsiCo, um, to some of the smaller organizations. So we have a charity client called Shelter in the UK. And essentially, we can help with any marketing um, struggles that clients may be having. So anything around targeting Gen Z or around wanting to engage with Gen Z, then we are your people to get those insights from the young people. And I lead on the communications for us. So anything comes and marketing wise that falls under my remit. Sounds good. Hello. Um, so my role is client facing. So it will be um, working with the clients. Um, understanding their pain points, understanding what they want to know from Gen Z um, and helping them along that process in terms of um, creating briefs and um, then kind of setting up those briefs. And then I'm kind of part of the team that then delivers the insights back to them. So we get the fun task of kind of delving into what our community is saying, um, pulling out the key bit and then working with uh, the clients to kind of make sure that they understand um, what Gen Z would love to see from them. So yeah, that's my role. Sounds good. Um, so to get to get into our uh, discussion around idols, um, I uh, well, I guess for the magazine we uh, have a little bit of description there where we say, uh, and this well, you know this isn't this isn't our definition, but um, the sort of diction, dictionary definition of idols being uh, objects of extreme devotion. Um, and the reason we decided to do that theme originally. Um, was saying, you know, can idols ever be a good thing? Um, we were originally talking about how Musk lost a record, into the Guinness record books uh, for losing a, a single amount of wealth on a, for a person in a, in a year. Um, I think it was like something like 182 billion or something crazy. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, and obviously lots of people idolize Musk. Lots of people don't. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, you know, can idols ever, ever be a good thing? And do they change as you get older, et cetera? Um, you know the, the sort of nature of them so i just wanted to start really um if either you two had any idols in your life i don't know when you're younger now like any, anything who wants to kick off with that um i'm happy to um so i think i was thinking about this prior to our conversation and what i've noticed for me is 
the the switch in what I almost view an idol as. So I think when I was younger, growing up, idols, I or maybe maybe not so much idols because I feel like I've never quite like put anyone on a pedestal quite that high. But people that I would aspire to or look up to maybe were ones where I would aspire to have their lifestyle or to do something that they were doing. So when I was younger, I was very much into sport and I had my favourite football team and I'd look up to my favourite players. But I think now less so for what they're doing in maybe their professional life, but more so if their value sets align with mine. And I think that's where I've seen the switch as I've got older. So I've gone from idolising those that I would aspire to be like in terms of maybe their lifestyle or their money or their their stance but moved a shift towards do their values align with mine or what they're doing outside of the day-to-day is that something that I could get on board with so I've almost gone from like appreciating maybe my favorite football player to like really appreciating Gareth Southgate and the way he manages the England team and the way he has them conduct themselves so I think it's for me it's been that switch in like what I view as an idol or what what kind of person I would look up to. Yeah, it almost sounds like a um well, not quite the hierarchy of needs type stuff, but you know, where you sort of perhaps your idols are, are more basic when you're younger and then as you as you get older you start to actually form opinions about the world and things that you want to value. Uh Helena, how about you? Well, I was I was thinking thinking about this actually, and I think for me I was one of the, I was kind of the generation that was, I idolized the first kind of YouTubers. So now we've got influencers, influencers are a proper, um, you know, common thing. But I think when I was 12, 13, 14, it was when the Isabella's and the Tanya Burrs first came on the scene. And we were all, I remember me and all of my friends absolutely idolized them. And it was the first time we'd seen people that weren't celebrities but they were people that everyone knew and were looking up to and we completely idolized all of them and I think that's really interesting because now I guess Gen Z in general um probably are looking to influencers and it's kind of an accepted thing but at the time it was something that was so new um and yeah and I think now if I look at what they who they are and what they represent and they have evolved um, I wouldn't say that I I wouldn't say that I idolize them in the same way as what I did when I was 12, 13, but it's interesting that they have also, I guess, grown and changed their content and kind of changed what they're delivering on their social platforms because their um audience has also grown up with them. So, you know, they're having they're having babies now, they're whatever, they're doing all these different things. And I, I think lots of people have kind of followed their journey. Yeah, I, I it's yeah, that's an it's it's an in- interesting kind of one. I was I don't know if you can remember back sort of back back 12 13 age but sort of can you can you recall why you idolized them like what what were they doing that was different do you feel like to I don't know traditional on the TV celebrities or whoever else you want to idolize musicians or whatever I think it was that relatability and I think that's something that has continued to stick with the the idea of the, the influencer so it was the first time that you were seeing normal people or what we perceive to be completely normal people getting in front of a camera and showing parts of their lives um and that at the time was something really new and i think that was why they ended up being these big idols and because there was a level of there was a personal relationship there so there was um i guess we were able to kind of see ourselves in them and they were us a few years down the line or you know they were shopping at they were going and doing Primark calls. I remember that was the, that was something that was really, really big was Primark calls, going into Primark, coming back and showing what they'd got. And that is something that we hadn't really seen before. Um, and we talk about with, with, when we do our um, 
Bruce with Gen Z now, they still say the same thing. And people are still talking about this idea of personal connection and relatability and authenticity. Yeah, well, I, I was I was going to say, so my next question was really around um, one of the, the reasons we created the theme was kind of a bit of a cautionary tale, um, as uh, mentioned Musk already, but... Um, do 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 you think that idols have a place in today's world? You know, can they be a good thing? I mean, you obviously mentioned the authenticity, but every idol that uh, uh, or many idols that people idolize fall from grace. They're flawed, and suddenly everyone's like, "Oh man, you know, not that one as well." They've done something bad, or I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose the question here is, you know, do idols have a place in today's world, even if they are flawed and mess up and do bad things? Where do you guys stand on that? I guess from my point of view on this one, and it's something that we've actually spoken about quite at length with our community, is around this whole air of cancel culture and whether that is such a thing or whether it's been a bit of a media hype, to be honest. Um, and I think the difference between a cancel culture where Gen Z will or young people will say, I'm absolutely not following that person anymore, or I'm not going to engage with their content. I think it's more about being holding people to account so if a influencer or a person of note, a public figure or a celebrity says something, young people are going to the depths of Google to find out if they've said that before and whether that aligns with the values of what they had previously. And I think for me, the difference I'm seeing around whether idols can have a place in society and whether they can have this fall from grace is just that they can rise really quickly. And we all know that you, you get people that crop up out of nowhere and suddenly have a huge social presence. Um, if they find their niche, especially with things like TikTok, which have just like risen like the very obscure talents and things like that. But you can fall very quickly too. And I think that's something just to be aware of. And I'm thinking in terms of idols having a positive and a negative impact, if you look at the types of celebrities that are coming out with these crazy dietary trends and things like that, that can be quite dangerous, toxic culture for young people. And I think it's all about almost taking it with a pinch of salt because... As a, as a Joe Bloggs, as a human being, as a day-to-day -day person, you probably don't have A, the time, the budget or the, the capacity to do these things that these celebrities are doing when it's like crazy trends and things. And I think that's where there's a danger, where if we idolise people too much from a young age, we can fall into sort of tricky territory in terms of trying to copy their lifestyles, which aren't always potentially the best for us. Yeah, I was thinking sort of, Obviously, you guys are, you know, talking to, to, to Gen Z all the time about all sorts of things, but how much do you sort of get into them about idols? And uh, I, I, I don't want to say necessarily that idol equals influencer. Um, there's probably a relationship there or some sort of correlation, but um, uh, there are probably lots of other types of idols. I, w I wondered what sort of conversations do you do you tend to have with, with um, Gen Z about people they idolize? I think it's, it's a real mix. And I think the... There is a focus from Gen Z about making a difference and making the world a better place. We we often talk to our community about that and the fact that actually they are looking for people as much as they're looking for you know to influencers. They're also looking towards people who are making a difference um, and are engaging in real social issues. And often the influencers or celebrities that people are highlighting are people that they feel like have are going beyond kind of you know that it could be going beyond their industry so it could be athletes that um, are not only 
changing the game in terms of how amazing they are as an athlete, but actually what are they doing on and off the pitch or uh, on and off the track? So like Marcus Rashford, for example, he he's often spoken about as someone that is idolised for going be up above and beyond and actually looking um, looking outwardly. And I think that Gen Z do have this concern and, um, yeah, concern and interest in the wider world and actually... I think they get a bad rep sometimes. Jesse does get a bad rep for kind of being like sometimes could be really surface level and and but actually we re- I say they we I am I'm a Gen Z care about the bigger social issues. I mean, I suppose kind of carrying on from that. Do do you think that they have more of a two way relationship with idols than perhaps past generations did? Um, I guess the nature of social media and the the not just social platforms but other ways that they can kind of connect with them. Um, through, I guess, different tech and maybe events and stuff. Do you feel that, that, that there's a much closer relationship maybe than than in the past? I think so. And I think that people are people are probably still put on a pedestal in the same way, but I think we feel that we we know them more, whether that's true or not, because obviously you can you can project any sort of image online. We all know that. So actually how authentic and how um, meaningful our connections are with idols and with influencers and celebrities is up for debate but I definitely think there is a sense of um, feeling like you know um, an influencer feeling like you know an idol feeling like you know a celebrity um, which I guess also comes with this idea of cancel culture because we feel we have a right potentially to know certain things or a right to say certain things because we have that direct access to them whereas in the past celebrities were these people these idols um were these people that were kind of unreachable and untouchable so yeah i definitely would say that it's a more um personal connection i just i guess that on touching on that point of knowing i just wondered because like is it really a case of knowing knowing them because i mean in my mind like even like if somebody's being authentic on social i i always feel that they're still putting on a face it's still a performance it's still scripted and i just kind of wondered to what degree um, I don't know. Jen said, "Know that," or you know, do, do they do they do they generally feel more like, "Oh yeah, I definitely know these people," or do they think, "Okay, I understand that they're being a certain way or whatever," but I still I kind of like whatever it is that they're projecting this sort of character, if you like. Or can they see through that? I don't know. Like just me thinking off the top of my head, really. Yeah, and I think from my point of view, there is a move towards a more transparent type of idol and influencer and celebrity. Um, I'm seeing lots of our young people talking about people they resonate with because they, whether they are appearing more real or whether they are more real on social, I guess that's the debate to be had. But I think there's definitely a move to not just necessarily showing all the good parts of life and what's going on, but also showing the bad parts or the trickier or more troubling times that we have and I think influencers or celebrities that are doing that quite well I guess you could look at Dr Alex who's turned like quite a a really traumatic situation he's had in his life um also risen to fame through Love Island but has turned that into something really quite positive with the work he's doing about mental health and I think that's what Gen Z are warming to I think that's what's engaging them I think it's that it's that transparency piece and they don't just want that from idols they want it from brands they want it from everyone around them they want to know like what the real truth is and they'll go quite lengths to get that but i think for me that's where that's where i'm seeing the real the real difference in terms of i've literally probably in the past two or so years noticed a bit of a shift even with the influencers that i started following 
they're posting you know pictures of them on a on a tough day crying and things and where that is still putting on a face to an extent because you're putting it out to your audience but I think it's trying to move away from this glossy perfect filtered lifestyle and trying to show the realities of life a little more and I guess you could say with that is where the de-influencing trend has come in so something a bit more recently is um, idols and celebrities and influencers taking to their platforms to try and encourage people not to spend money on certain things or to spend more wisely or to talk about things in a different or to question things a bit more and actually I think as a prediction that's something I think we'll see the rise of over the next year or so. Yeah that's uh, that sounds quite on the money actually I think there's um we've got uh, one of the interviews on the on the magazine at the moment is uh, is about de-influencing. I've only sort of briefly skimmed it to be honest one of my colleagues put it up but um actually I'll, I'll go back after this and have a proper read but that's that, that is quite interesting a sort of you know it's almost one of those things of saying don't do this rather than do this is just a complete 180. I, I, I guess um, I know we touched on cancel culture uh, a little bit but I just wanted to, to just get into a tiny bit more just you feel that I don't know the, the sort of younger generations at the moment are more into kind of I guess tearing down idols if uh, if they uh, fail it, it, Gen Z perhaps laying out the standards saying we want x y and z from you and it's not a big ask but if you don't give us x y z then we're gonna we're not going to look the other way or whatever. We're, we are going to take you down, <laughs> um, so to speak. I don't know. I think from what I'm seeing is it's they have more access than anyone has ever had to anything, right? So they're digitally native. They've grown up with being able to question things, being able to do the research, being able to look behind the scenes. And they've grown up with this access to people that we've never really had before because of social media and things like that. So I think with cancel culture, it's an interesting one because actually when we spoke to our community, I can't remember the exact stat, but it was up in the 70s um, percentage-wise said that actually they don't agree with cancel culture, like they don't agree with just cancelling out a brand or a person for like one error. But what they do believe in is pulling them up and having them, you know, explain their actions or like give the context around why something might have happened. And I think actually it's an interesting thing for brands and idols alike because it's this like, should they be scared and should they be on the fence about saying certain things or running with a certain campaign for fear of being cancelled? But actually, to what extent will they be cancelled? I think you could. there's probably ample examples of brands that have maybe not got things quite right, but when they've held their hands up and said, like, we did this, we got it slightly offbeat, like we kind of messed up a bit, that's almost received a lot better. And I think it's the same for idols and celebrities, I think, when people have done something or said something a bit controversial but then actually acknowledged it and almost come come back with their like apology or whatever um i think gen z are much more susceptible to that and they they just want a bit of honesty and that's what we're hearing from our community they just want to understand fully the context about the world around them and we actually did a event panel a couple of months ago and one of the community members said that they will go through to like the third page of Google to try and get their thought process on like a, a campaign or something to make sure that they feel as informed as possible. And I think that's the access that they have that is different to like millennials. I remember when like I started like initially Googling things and like I haven't had, I've never gone that in depth into things because I've never really felt I needed to. I've always taken things maybe at a surface level, but I think definitely the trend we're seeing with Generation Z is that they are they are willing to do, put the effort in to find out more about the background of something. Uh, I, I remember reading a piece about this once. I think it might be up on the magazine, and it was it was to do with um, 
the nature of uh, how you say sorry it, depending on the act or depending on the, the the transgression that you made it was kind of if you say sorry said sorry and it was like a mild bad thing that you did but you said sorry in a really terrible way you would get taken down much harder than someone that perhaps did a worse thing but they said sorry in a great way which yeah. um you know it's, it's kind of interesting i think i think yeah you know people will because people respond right to to you know if you like you say if you're authentic and honest and you lay out the context etc you said, oh, we were trying to do this, but we got confused or messed up or whatever, and we went down the wrong path. Anyway, we're really sorry. Yeah, and I think with that, it's like with brands, idols, celebrities, influencers, what steps are they then putting in place to make sure it won't happen again? And I think that's what Gen Z will hold you accountable for. Like an apology is all well and good, but what are you doing to then like rectify it? Well, it's I kind of know. learning from your actions, right, isn't it? It's yeah. sort of saying, okay, we messed up, but we learned from our actions. That's literally, it's kind of the building block of storytelling and movies, etc. It's like, mm-hmm. you watch it and you're like, oh, this character keeps messing up, but they don't learn anything. Um, <laughs> I think I think Homer did that in The Simpsons actually once, where uh, they got to the end of the episode and Marge was like, oh, did you learn your lesson? And he's like, Marge, I didn't learn a thing. And that was... <laughs> that was because it's Homer and he's meant to be an idiot. But, yeah. um, you know, it was obviously done for comedic effect, but... I know we haven't got too much time, so I just want to touch on a few things. Um, I always say this and then try and cram in about five questions. But one of the things I wanted to talk about was wholesome idols. Obviously, lots of terrible idols, but um, I don't know if it's more of a millennial thing and lots of like sort of figures from the 90s, et cetera, coming through that um, are kind of the antidote to all the terrible people we seem to be seeing in recent years. But particularly on, on, uh, on things like TikTok, the sort of rise of the wholesome uh, 90s person that's coming back people like brendan fraser and i wrote some questions for this podcast because we were going to do it a while ago and then the oscars happened and now brendan has an oscar as well but not not just him um other wholesome idol uh kike kwee um got, got an oscar as well and he he was perhaps the most wholesome oscar winner in history just bouncing around so happy to be there and so excited and i just wondered if that's the sort of counter to the doom and gloom in the world you know, Gen Z seeking out genuinely more wholesome people. Um, maybe if they didn't necessarily grow up with them. I mean, I'm I'm older millennial, so you know, all these '90s figures are kind of my era. But I just wondered what the sort of Gen Z take on it was. I think it's it's wholesome people, but I would actually counteract that and say I think it's the wholesome content. It's you seeing them bouncing around when they get that. It's the older grandparents that are the TikTokers that are making you know this gorgeous pieces of content where it's. It's got comical value, but you're also like, oh, they could be my grandparents making that funny TikTok dance with their grandchild. And I think that's a move. Like we want, gosh, it's been a real time the past few years across across globally, of course, with uh, things we won't mention because I think we've heard it to death. But I think for me, it's that move towards a bit more positivity. Like we're searching and yearning and looking for things that are just a bit warmer. And I think Gen Z have been open about their struggles with sort of mental health and with the world as it has been and i think they are they are looking for those little rays of sunshine that we find in positive content i don't know if that's how you would feel about the conversations you have with the community as well Helena. yeah i think i mean if you look at for example i think tiktok blew up completely over um over lockdown if you look at all the tiktokers have now come through they are all um pretty much kind of their, their content is comedy focused um, and when we talk to our Gen Z audience and we ask them you know who are their favorite influencers at the minute who are their idols a lot of them talk about people that produce uplifting and funny content so I think 
there is a move and a kind of a need and a desire to see um, this lighthearted uh, side of the internet because, you know, the internet has also has a lot of dark sides. The world has a lot of doom and gloom. And I think we I think we can give the internet, we give social media a very bad rap, rap, rap sometimes, but actually it's kind of the antidote and it's that light relief for a lot of people, I think, millennials, Gen Z alike. Yeah, I think... Um... I think, in, for me at least, it, it was sort of the slight antidote to Twitter. Um, even before Musk took over, Twitter always seemed to be the place where it would just descend into arguments within like two seconds. Not not entirely. Like you can find your bubbles and communities there, but I think that the the sort of subcultures on TikTok and generally how TikTok blew up, at least in in my impression, of people I talked to, is it's it did seem to be more to do with leaning into positivity and and hope and. Uh, I guess I don't know if that plays into things like hope core and slow living and like you know the, these kind of trends of like people wanting sort of simpler, happier things. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the, I stumbled maybe a year ago on on this guy that does kind of thirst traps. But he's he's probably in his sixties maybe, and he makes like knits cardigans, and then like the music is kind of sexy, like he's going to do something some sexy reveal, but he's just wearing a cardigan. We'll put a link in the show notes if you haven't seen it. I'm going to put a link in the show notes anyway because it's amazing. Um, but uh, in my mind, it's kind of subverting subverting various trends and things that you might see on TikTok and it's kind of done in a brilliant way for comedic effect. But it also kind of says, you know, there's a place for you here as well, you know. Um, I, I, I did a, um, a podcast with people from TikTok um, a couple of years ago now and they were talking about how it isn't necessarily, you know, the, the age ranges on there are actually really varied which uh, again, I think is quite a sort of positive thing. I don't want, I don't want to like go on a downer for probably the last one or two minutes we got, but I did want to just mention our April theme of sort of the age of discontent. And I guess maybe it ties into this um, with sort of saying, you know, whose job is it to make us happier? And I wondered what sort of conversations do you guys get into with Gen Z when you talk about happiness in general? I think um, there's, there's an awareness that not only is kind of mental health and well-being your own personal responsibility, but that actually there's aspects of life, for example, the workplace, that in previous generations, potentially we've accepted things like burnout and you know, things like that. Whereas actually now there is, there's a kind of an expectation for the workplace, your employers to prioritize that and to have things in place um, and to take your mental health and well-being seriously. So it's kind of this two-way kind of recognition that yes we have personal responsibility and you can't be you know projecting <laughs> projecting your your mental health or your your issues on other people but also whereas previous generations may have just kind of maybe not had an awareness of the impacts that you know certain work, work conditions have or things like that that now actually yeah there is kind of a collective um effort to change that yeah, I think I think maybe perhaps past generations they 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 had an awareness, but there's also an element of like, this is just how it's done. Or and then as it kind of maybe moved into millennial, it feels a little bit like it was kind of like, oh, okay, that's sort of how it used to be done. Maybe we could do this in the future, or they might talk a big game, but then in practice, nothing really happened, or they would just do the opposite or whatever, you know. But I do maybe feel like Jen said are actually like, well, no, we're putting our foot down now. Like something actually does have to happen, or we're we're not going to work. We're going to walk out. Absolutely. I think, yes, to your point, Mike, there's always been an awareness, but I think the change and the shift is in acceptance. I think it is more, it's more okay to talk about things in the workplace or outside the workplace and just in general, because the awareness has almost 
yeah moved into acceptance so people are more open about the things that they're going through for the better i personally think and actually i think that's that's the shift we're seeing like it, we've always known that people burn out that if you work too hard but now it's a bit like okay what can we actually do about that and i do think genuinely that's been driven by the slightly latter end of the millennials and gen z coming into the workplace and going we've seen what you've done and we we don't want to do that <laughs> Yeah, so I think we touched on earlier about uh, learning from your mistakes, right? If you're basically just Homer Simpson and you just learn nothing as you go through life, then what is the point? But uh, yes, we, we've got to wrap up. So I just I just wanted um, wanted to ask you guys, what's uh, have you got anything uh, exciting uh, ahead this year um, that you're looking forward to, either internally as as a company or just stuff in the world that uh, excites you? I know it's a bit of a random question. <laughs> But it's always nice to look at things that you're excited about. I think as a company, we're in a really exciting place. We're working with a real diverse cross-section of clients now, which is really nice. So we're doing work in the charity space, but also with FMCG. So lots of exciting projects in the pipeline there. And then personally, I'm just, I mentioned it already and it's a bit boring, but I'm just ready for summer. I'm excited to get outside, go to lots of music festivals and gigs and travel a bit now that we can, although flights are extortionately expensive at the moment. Um, but just excited for the summer, really. What about you, Helena? I guess with regards to Gen Z in general, I'm really excited to see off the back of the conversation that we've had, um, to see where this kind of de-influencing trend goes and, and the idea of the idol um, and see what Gen Z do with that and see whether actually idols become increasingly more positive. And yeah, we changed the perception of that. Sounds good. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Um, I'm also excited for spring. I don't know about summer because summers are becoming slightly unbearable in London. Just it's impossible to breathe the air. <laughs> um, it's very, very hot. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's ever going to change. Who knows? Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, I just uh, really good conversation. And uh, thank you um, both to both of you so much for uh, uh, coming on the Media Cat Magazine podcast. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Bye.